How many of you in here, you have what I would call some, some reoccurring aches and pains? You know, they kind of flare up sometimes. Uh, they're not debilitating, but they kind of flare up unpredictably. But, but you have, you have reached that, that grand stage in life where you have some reoccurring pains. Can I see your hands? Okay. I didn't even know there was such a thing until I got in my 40s. I used to hear people talk about pain, and I thought, yeah, that's not going to happen to me. It did. It did. I have a whole list of reoccurring pains that flare up now. I want to talk today in this last message in the series about reoccurring pains, but you know where I'm going. I'm not talking about reoccurring pains physically. I'm talking about reoccurring pains spiritually, pains in the soul that some of us, some of us in here are, are very, very familiar with. And this message isn't going to be the same for each of us in here today because some of us, for whatever reason, we have more of a, a propensity to make ourselves vulnerable to the kinds of pains that I'm going to talk about today. But for all of us, this will be a valuable talk for sure. And I just know, I know the Lord wants to do some healing in some hearts today. He wants to give some hope to some people. He wants to give some clarity. Uh, he wants to give some freedom to people. So with that in mind, let's, let's watch and see what the Spirit of God does. All right, here is our topic. Here's, here's the reoccurring pain, unresolved guilt and shame. When you or I have guilt and shame that has not been sufficiently resolved, it causes flare-ups of soul pain. Now, you might be wondering, why, why, what is the reason for this? Why is it when a person you know, feels guilty or feels shame. Why does it bother us at all? Well, the reason is, is because we were made in the image of God and, and we were meant to live in a world that was without fear, without pain, without guilt, without evil of any kind, without sin. And, and so sin for you and I, it, it's like sand in the interior machinery of our soul. And so we can't help but to feel it. It was never meant to be in your eye. We were never meant to feel fear. We were never meant to feel guilt. We were certainly never meant to feel shame. So when we do, this is such a foreign substance, our souls want, want to repel it. And so we feel it intensely. The very first message I did in this series, I talked about how, how what God calls sin, far from it being arbitrary, just the making up of some rules, far from it being arbitrary, that it's what God, when God labels something sin, it's traumatic to our souls. It's traumatic when we know it and can see it and feel it, and it's traumatic when we don't know it and see it and feel it. It just takes time. So we're kind of connecting these two, kind of like two bookends. The series started with that kind of a concept, and it's sort of ending, but we're going to embellish it in a little bit of a, a more focused way on this issue of guilt and shame. Now we're going to go to Psalm, Psalm 51, and this is where we started the series, the Psalm of David. Once again, it's a Psalm of David, and it's actually about the very same event. Some of you, you're familiar with King David, some of you are not. David was the second and considered the greatest king of Israel. He ruled and he reigned for 40 years. David is the guy, killed Goliath, wrote so many of the Psalms, was a musician, was a great general, was a great king and a great leader, and was a godly man from the time he was a kid. This was an individual that as a young boy became an authentic individual that loved God, trusted God, lived the way God wanted him to live, did what God wanted him to do. But about 20 years into his reign as king, 
He was about 50 years old when it happened. It says that at the time of the season when the kings went out to lead their troops in war, David was having so much success, he decides to stay home. He stays home, he looks off his roof one evening, and he sees a young lady bathing herself, and he's tempted. He lusts after her, seduces her, brings her into the palace, has an adulterous relationship with her, and she gets pregnant. When he finds out she's pregnant, he's concerned, and so he figures he'll bury it, he'll hide it by doing away with her husband. Her husband's name was Uriah. He, he was one of the warriors for David, the men that were out in the field fighting. David sets it up where Uriah is going to be killed in battle. He tells his generals, when the, the fight begins, push Uriah to the front, and then you guys withdraw and just just leave him hanging there so David this man of God who had served God for so many years faithfully up to the age of about 50 now he not only commits adultery but he commits murder to cover his adultery and of course God doesn't allow that to stand this psalm is David now writing about the anguish of soul that he feels he he's still not sufficiently been able to resolve his feelings of guilt and shame and some of us in here even though we know the message of God in Christ that, that God offers, offers us forgiveness of not some sin but all sins we still struggle we have, we have uncomfortable feelings reoccurring pain more or less not debilitating maybe but reoccurring pain because we have not been able to sufficiently resolve the guilt and the shame even though God wants it to be resolved so let's read David's expression. He says, have mercy on me, O God. And, and something for us to think about, David shared his painful experience with the world so that others might not have to experience it and so that we might know how to work through it as well. Just something to tuck away. Sometimes the things that have caused us great pain, guilt, and shame, if we share those with others that are going through like things, sometimes it can be a source of hope and healing to them, just a thought to pass on. Have mercy on me, says David, O God, according to your unfailing love. Now, now, he knows that God's different than us. Our love can fail. We can give up on people. We can reject people, but not so with God. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Now, the idea of blot out is that there's a record David is aware that judgment is coming the scripture is very clear about this that God gives us tremendous ability and capacities and freedom but he's going to hold us accountable it's not something we should be fearful of it, it gives meaning to life life would have no meaning if there were no accountability no reward or in certain cases some you know punishment that we may have uh, deserved Anyway, he says, blot out my transgression. He's saying, that record, that book you keep, please, can it, can it just be erased? Wash away all my iniquity. Now he's, he's wanting God to do something inside. He says, I, I, I want my record cleansed, but I also need you. I need you to do something in me. I, I never thought I was capable of this, God. I didn't think I would ever think such a thing, do such a thing. I need to be cleansed. I need to be washed. Wash me. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. He is not minimizing. He is not legitimizing. He is not blame shifting. He's saying, It's me. I'm the guy. I did it and I can't get it out of my head. It's always before me, he says. He goes on. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is 
evil in your sight. Again, he's not trying to explain it away. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. He sinned against more than just God. He obviously sinned against Bathsheba, and he sinned against Uriah, and everybody that knew and loved Uriah. That's true. But there's something that's hard for us to understand. Every sin that occurs, every sin that you and I sin, or that every sin that is sinned against us that hurts us, or every sin that we do to hurt others, God feels it deeply himself. Can, can your children or one of your loved ones suffer without you feeling it? Of course not. So, so God is not detached. And so in essence, every sin is against him. He feels the pain of every sin. He feels the damage of every broken heart in, in an acute way, a way that we can hardly understand. So that's why David says it like this, I've done evil in your sight. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. David has this sense that the God that he used to enjoy looking into his face, spiritually speaking, now he feels the disappointment or the glare of God upon his misuse of the great freedom that God had given him. He says, create in me a pure heart. Now he's asking God again. He says, man, I want you to do a work inside me. I don't want to be this guy. I don't ever want to be that person again. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Again, he's asking God to do things inside of him. He goes on. Then, when you restore me, when you make me pure and steadfast and, and my joy is back, I can look you in the face and, and know that we're in good terms. Then I'll teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you notice it's not good people that turn back to God it's sinners the scripture says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God it says there's none righteous no not one that's me that's you that's a pope that's everybody we all need to be the, these people that turn back to God in trust and then we do his will in his ways and we learn to be who God meant us to be and to do what he meant us to do you did not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it my sacrifice O God is a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart you God will not despise David's saying I got nothing I can't I can't leverage anything I can't say Lord at least look at the good things that I did for my life up to age 50 at least look at those and and give me give me some slack on this he's saying look I got nothing I got nothing but to ask your mercy I have no claim if there is no grace in your heart then I have no claim I am guilty as charged I can't undo the damage that I did but I want to be yours I want to be faithful I don't want to be that guy I want to be a different guy David does go on for the next 20 years of his life and he is a man of God in fact God calls him a man after my own heart all right let's get this a little bit more personal now and let's let's see how this may apply to each of us let's go to this exploring unresolved guilt and shame now one of the things that i've said is that because we are so finely tuned and made because we are made in the image of god it says in scripture we're made by christ and for christ because we are so sensitive inwardly we we can't do well with guilt 
when we have unresolved guilt or shame in our soul it, it's kind of kind of like this sometimes in our life if it's not resolved sufficiently it's it's kind of like have you ever gotten a really um I, I got like really soft feet man i got like sissy feet you ever gotten like a little small 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 pebble in your shoe and, and it won't stop you from walking but man every time you know you can just kind of feel it how, how many are with me you got the sissy feet too pebble in your shoe sometimes unresolved guilt and shame it feels like that pebble in your shoe it's not debilitating but it's not comfortable you're not quite as free and comfortable as you'd like to be but other times other times that unresolved guilt and shame it's like sand in the eye you get sand in the eye you you're going to stop in your tracks you're going to do everything in your power to to take it out of your eye to get rid of the pain you'll you'll be completely focused on that pain sometimes this reoccurring soul pain it comes in the form of of it's just almost paralyzing pain some of us we know what it is that we literally relive it and we relive it and we relive it and we relive it and the pain still doesn't seem to ever go away except for short periods and then it can return so our souls because they're so finely tuned and sensitive guilt shame sin it it, it doesn't allow us to rest it's kind of like this if you drop a bowling ball in a bucket of water no big deal if the bowling ball could talk would say hey I I like it that's kind of nice nice and cool but if you drop your cell phone in the bucket of water what happens right because it's so complex it's so capable it's so finely tuned your soul my soul it's a it's a majestic thing made in the image of God but because it's so complex and so capable it's also extremely sensitive and easy to injure and guilt and shame are very injurious to the soul Psalm 38 says this this is David once again he says I I confess my guilt and I'm troubled by my sin until guilt is sufficiently dealt with and shame we're troubled more or less it may be the pebble in the shoe trouble it may be the sand in the eye trouble but we're troubled it's because the way we're made David was troubled that psalm it it, it showed excruciating pain but frankly it was a good thing It, it was because he was a godly man it was because he did care about people it's because he did want to do what was right it's because a righteous desire was the central component of his soul in other words when you and I as those that have put trust in Christ for you that have and are his followers when we feel pain when we feel what we call conviction uh, of sin that we've done something wrong this is a good sign this this is a sign of a healthy soul it shows that our soul is functioning kind of like the red lights on a dashboard It, it should alarm us the danger the real danger is when we can sin kind of freely and not feel any compunction about it and have any difficulties almost make light of it or almost make light of God's grace I hear Christians occasionally oh well nobody's perfect so what's the big deal man why get all bent out of shape about sin you know God the more we sin the more God shows God's glory that he can forgive us this is not true in fact this is foolishness because as I said sin always traumatizes us it's just a question of whether or not we'll ever recognize the damage that it's done let's look at another passage Romans 2 it says there will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil you and I cannot do evil without it causing consternation distress trouble 
discomfort, dis-ease inside of us. We, we won't be able to enjoy the quality of life that God desires deeply for us to enjoy, even in this big, bad, troubled world. It is possible to enjoy the kingdom life of God in our souls. In fact, in this life, one of the things that God's trying to teach us is to learn to live the way God himself lives and to love the way God himself loves. And the more that we live the way God lives and love the way God loves, we start feeling good inside, good to the point that even as circumstances come and go and change, we still kind of keep this nice tranquility and evenness about us. Romans goes on to say this. It says, destruction and misery, misery are in their ways, and they don't know the way of what? peace if we have insufficiently resolved guilt and shame we won't be able to have peace and peace is a tremendous quality one of the things that I think we forget quickly for, for some of us that have been followers of Christ for a long time is we can quickly forget what it felt like before we were followers of Christ before we trusted in Christ before we knew that there was forgiveness of sins before we knew who we are why we're here how to live what the meaning of life is what God's plan and purposes are when we think back at the way we faced life and, and we forget we we probably never had this thing called peace we never had clarity we never had tranquility uh, we, we were never at home in our own souls but it's easy to forget that after you've been a Christ follower for a while but the things that become normal to us they're really quite valuable peace is one of them but when we have guilt and shame impossible to have peace what we will have are various degrees of misery now I'm going to just, just give you something to think about we all know people maybe we are the people or have been the people at times in our life but we know people that you can look at their external circumstances and you might be tempted to think, wow, man, they got it made. They, they've got it all. Uh, I mean, and yet, perhaps you've gotten close enough to these people yourself for some reason, and you find as you really interact with them more, wow, man, they're miserable. They're, they're not at peace at all. They've got it made. They've got, their circumstances are easy breezy and yet inside they're miserable we have to understand we're beings that live from the inside out our society lies to us all the time it says get your outside fixed up newer nicer bigger better get more pleasure get more popularity get more prestige get more power get more possessions yeah you'll you'll be wonderful you'll have the best quality of life possible it's a lie quality of life is all spiritual it's all inside the kingdom of God within us growing developing the rule of God the will of God the ways of God that's what brings the quality of life it's not the external things but unless that quality of life inwardly is in the place of health that God desperately wants to bring us all we'll experience varying degrees of misery Psalm 32 adds to this adds to that it says many sorrows come to the wicked when I am wicked you are wicked we are wicked and we all are wicked sometimes it will ultimately bring sorrow that is that is if our spirits if our souls are alive sometimes people are wicked and they don't feel a thing because their souls and spirits are gone basically lost almost dead and gone 
but it comes to the wicked sorrows but unfailing love surrounds those who trust in the lord this is what god has always been trying to do ever since adam and eve broke trust with him in the garden of eden is win back the trust of humanity he loves us he's for us he's with us he's not out to punish us he's not angry at us he knows our dilemma of sin he wants to rescue us from it and restore health to us but he needs something from us and he needs one thing one thing only it's the one and only condition of salvation the only possible condition of salvation an infinite being can only ask one thing from a finite being that is appropriate and that is trust he can't take us where he wants to take us he can't do for us what he wants to do for us he can't heal us he can't restore us his hands are tied until i authentically trust him once i trust him then if he says randy you got to stop this man this is this is poison for you okay lord i trust you i'm going to stop it and then when he says randy you you need you need to learn how to do this you you need to cultivate this you need to you need to grow in this area i say okay lord i trust you i'll do it the mark of authentic trust in christ is obedience joyful willing excited enthusiastic obedience to the word and will of god so once we trust god again now the floodgates of his grace his mercy are open he can finally give us the quality of life that we all really want everybody's trying to get the best best life possible all the time you'll never meet a person who's not trying even when they're doing crazy crazy things how many of you can remember doing crazy crazy things because you wanted to be happy 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 you thought it was going to be fun 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 you was going to bring you pleasure 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 and it often does for a little while right for a little while but then comes payday and payday is usually disproportionately big and bad and we've all had experience more or less in that realm all right let me me give you some concluding thoughts about this guilt says what i've done my actions is unacceptable this is a good thing because it's like red lights again on the dashboard it shows me you know that's not the way god wired you that's not the way life can function it's not what's good for you or good for anybody else so guilt says what i've done my action is unacceptable but shame says this shame says what i've become is unacceptable that's different shame takes it to a different level the first one is i've done some wrong things the second one is i'm wrong i'm defective i'm bad i'm i'm evil i'm irreparable that that's where that's where shame takes us now this is not always really clear in our heads but it's more of a feeling that we struggle with i'll get into this more as the message goes on let me go a step further living with unacceptable conduct it's uncomfortable i've done something wrong that's uncomfortable i should feel that that's a good sign it shows my conscience and my spiritual faculties my god enlightened reasoning faculties are working the way they're supposed to i'm not supposed to be comfortable (laughs) when i've done wrong all right but shame is something else living with an unacceptable character is unbearable if i've knowingly or unknowingly internalized shame i'm going to literally have a hard time not hating myself loathing myself being disgusted with myself wanting to not exist at times wishing perhaps 
I was never born. I mean, these are all the kind of things that go through our heads. Shame is such a, such a toxic, foreign feeling to the kind of being that God intended you and I to be. We, we were meant to be beings that just felt loved by God and loved by others and clean in our conscience, those that do nothing but good, nothing but goodwill, nothing but good actions all the time. We were never supposed to know any of these feelings at all. And when we get to the level of shame, it's more than the pebble in the shoe. It's the sand in the eye of our soul. And it can be, it can be debilitating. Now, before we get on the other side of this, I'm going to dare to, to do something with you. Um, some of us in here that are more or less vulnerable to feelings of guilt still and shame, even though we know that God clearly tells us that he loves us, forgives us, that he Christ went to the cross to express his love for us it says in Romans 5 even when we were sinners even when we didn't care about him even though we may know these things up here the truth is some of us in here we have a great deal of difficulty getting it down here and so what happens to us like I started this message I said we, we have these reoccurring flare-ups of pain so we may go good for a while you know we live in God's grace we know that we're loved and accepted and forgiven and we start enjoying that for a time and then something it can be almost anything can trigger it and we start going back again to those things that we so wish would have never occurred we 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 get feeling so bad we wish we could turn the clock back some of us we get even worse we, we're like i just wish i would have never like i said earlier been born some of us some of us, I'm going to read your heart. I'm going to read your mind because I had to read my own heart and my mind with this many a time. I am very vulnerable to what I'm sharing with you today after all these years of being a Christian leader. Um, you're walking good. You're, you're feeling good about yourself and God's grace. And then all of a sudden, something, something triggers it. And you kind of don't hear a voice. It's more of a set of thoughts that go through your head. And the thoughts are always vitally connected to some very, very painful emotions and they just start to come up and, and you start reliving those certain things that you were a part of that you wish would have never been and, and this is what goes through your head it's things like you know that grace and that forgiveness stuff that, that's true for others God does feel that way for others but don't you ever kid yourself and think that that's for you you're different you're damaged you're irreparable you're defective you're one that God's going to make an example of his wrath you're doomed there's no forgiveness for you don't you lie to yourself there's no restoration for you there's no usefulness for you don't you ever believe that haven't you had the rug pulled out from you enough times in life don't you know if something sounds too good to be true for you it is might be for others yeah, there might be grace and forgiveness and mercy and restoration and healing for others. Don't lie to yourself. It's not for you. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. But I know that some of you know what I just said. You've felt it. You've lived it. It's a reoccurring pain. Sometimes it can be triggered by circumstances that just somehow cause you to reflect back in memory. Sometimes, sometimes you have people in your life that have forever branded you 
In other words, whatever you once were, and they were exposed to you when you were, when maybe you were at your worst, time froze, and that's how they will forever see you. And in fairness to them, it could be because you or I sinned against them. We wounded them. We hurt them. Think about what it would have felt like to be Uriah's mom or dad or brother or sister that David set up to be murdered or a friend of Uriah's you're always going to look at David as like that murdering lying you know he, he had it all but it wasn't enough for him so these folks that may forever see you and I for what we were at our worst because maybe our sinfulness damage hurt them okay we, we, we shouldn't be embittered toward them we, we, we shouldn't we shouldn't even dread when they bring these things back up again and they treat us like we're that person even though we know we're not frankly sometimes when these things come back up when the reoccurring pain comes I've learned you handle it the way God leads you but I've learned to re-grieve these things and to let God's light penetrate further on me and to go deeper into confession even though I know there's forgiveness I allow myself to make sure that God's cleansing is penetrated as deeply as he wants it to go. But you'll have those people sometimes. And, and don't even try to change their minds because it's usually pretty hopeless. And don't get embittered at them. There's an episode in David's life when his son Absalom tries to overthrow him and kill him, chases him off his throne. And as David and his men are trying to regroup, there's this guy named Shimei and he's throwing rocks and cursing David as David's deeply mourning because he's got this horrible decision. Does he fight and kill his own son? And he ultimately has to do that. But, but as the, the man Shimei is cursing David and, and mocking him and throwing stones at him, his men want to kill Shimei. And David says, no, 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 let, let him go. It, it, it's the Lord, it's the Lord. Just let it go. Maybe the Lord will have mercy on me. Read it on your own sometimes. So we have to be realistic about things. There might be people that will forever brand us. We will forever be what they saw in us at one time. They'll never forgive us. They'll never forget. And I'm going to urge you, don't even try to change their minds because it can be very frustrating and disappointing. But don't be bitter toward them either. So what do we do when, when those horrible voices ideas feelings when, when they come upon us and, and they make us want to quit they make us want to run they make us want to hide they make us want to be silenced I'm not fit to ever open my mouth and share Christ with another person I should just you know turn into a pile of dust and be swept away by the wind that's all I'm worth that's all I'm good for what do we do when that comes so that's where I want to take us the rest of the message expelling unresolved guilt and shame now everything I'm going to share with you these are things I've had to walk myself through many 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 times likelihood is I will again we're all wired different this, this is my Achilles heel so I'm going to read you some scriptures that you're going to be familiar with and you're going to say man I already know those things Randy yeah but some of us need to hear them again from the, the lips of the spirit of God with, with fresh fresh ears here we go acts 13 38 it says therefore my friends i want you to know I, I want you to know i don't want you to think maybe i want you to know that through jesus the forgiveness of what sins but not yours don't you kid yourself 
That's what that voice says. It says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Other people can be forgiven their sins, not you. That's a lie. This is the, the God, the creator, the sustainer of the universe saying that through Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. If you have put your trust in Christ and you are his follower, regardless of what I feel, you feel, others say, God says, I have forgiveness. Don't deserve it at all. But it's the gift of God in Jesus. Let me go on. John 3. No one who has faith or trust, that's that Greek word, pistuo, faith, trust, confidence, reliance, belief. No one who has faith in God's Son will be, can we say it out loud? Condemned. If you've put trust in Christ, you'll never be condemned. I have to say this stuff to myself. I, I have to talk myself down off the ledge. I have to talk myself up out of the pit. And, and I have to, I have to, Use God's word to do it. And so might some of you. No condemnation. Let's go on. John 5, I tell you for certain, this is Jesus talking, I tell you for certain that everyone who hears my message and has faith in the one, trust in the one who sent me, has present tense eternal life and will never be what? Condemned. But that set of ideas, that set of feelings, They'll come flooding in and they will make you and make me feel very condemned. You hear what I said? Feel, feel very condemned. I, I might have received a pardon from the governor of a state. Maybe I'm facing a life sentence and, and I receive a, garden, a, a pardon and I'm free to go, but I might still feel guilty and condemned, but I'm not. It's, it's a feeling if I allow it, it will imprison me and torture me unnecessarily, but I'm actually free. No condemnation. I'm not condemned. They already have gone from death to life. It's saying when you put your trust in Christ, it, your life is as it were over. You're already in heaven as it were. That's how certain. Let's go on. Romans 8.1 reiterates the same thing. Therefore, there is now, what does it say? No condemnation for those who are in union with the Messiah, Jesus. Once I've put my trust in Christ and become his follower, I'm in union with him, and there is no condemnation. But, but Randy, you don't know what it feels like, man. Yes, I do. Yes, I do know what it feels like. You feel very condemned. It, it's that reoccurring pain. Anything can trigger it. It might even be that person in your life that will forever brand you, forever condemn you. But you've got to determine who you're going to listen to getting ahead of myself let me go on Micah 7 it says God who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression you will again have compassion on us you will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into what the depths of the sea do you know what it's saying it's saying that your sins my sins are in the Mariana Trench. <laughs> Mariana Trench is the deepest part of the sea. It's over seven miles deep. 1960, uh, this vehicle was created by some Swiss and some Italians called the Trieste, uh, a bathyscaphe scamp, it's called. It was the first vehicle in 1960 that went down to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. That's my problem. And that's your problem. 
some of you even though God tells me I have thrown your sins into the place where no one can go no one should go I jump in a spiritual bathyscaphe and I go down I go all the way to the bottom of the stinking trench and I relive these things and I rake myself over the coals again and again and again and I torment my own soul so do some of you and we can't help ourselves it's 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 some kind of weird vulnerability we have but we must overcome it let me go on first john 1 9 it's really simple we all probably know it it's written to christ followers it's written to christians who obviously are not perfect it says if we confess our sins i'm a christ follower but i still have sins evidently he is meaning god faithful and just and will not maybe he will forgive us our sins and he goes more like david was praying cleanse me inside you know he will purify us from all unrighteousness and this is a process it doesn't happen instantaneously i wish it did i used to pray as a young christian that it would but it does it's not the way god's methodology is he wants us to accept light as he brings it upon our life own our faults failures sins and in that process he's purifying us more and more but but he wants us to know we're forgiven and we'll be forgiven that's that's something we have to tuck away we 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 have to kind of internalize that let me close with this where i'm getting ready to close isaiah 43 25 says i even i am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and what does it say remembers your sins no more that's repeated in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament in the 8th chapter and again in the 10th chapter, those very words. It's part of the new covenant that we have in Jesus. This is God saying, why, why, is, it, why is he saying that? Does it mean that God doesn't actually remember my sins? No, of course not. But it's saying he's going to treat me just as though I never sinned. When I put my trust in him, he's going to treat me that way. He's not going to remember my sins. He's not going to bring them up. Well, then who the heck is bringing them up? Because I relive them. So who's doing that? Well, it must be me. Now, some people say, oh, it's the devil. The devil's doing that. There's no indication in Scripture that the devil's doing it. I don't doubt that he gets glee in it. I'm sure he would like to paralyze us. I'm sure he would like to torment us. But frankly, I have to take responsibility. I do this to myself. And that's good news. Because if I'm doing it to myself, I can stop doing it to myself. Do you hear me? Some of you, until we say we're doing this to ourselves, God's screaming at us, I don't remember your sins anymore, but we remember them. We go down into the depths of the sea and we dig them back up again and again and again. And at some point, what we have to conclude is this. Who are we going to listen to? Let me share a few thoughts with you. Unresolved guilt and shame are sand in the eye of the soul. You've heard me say that already. Let me go to the second part of this. Removal, removal requires the divine hand of Christ the great physician. Trust me on this one, folks. Guilt and shame in our soul are big and there is not a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a drug 
or an experience or a good work or some mood-altering substance or mood-altering activity. There is nothing that a human being can do for you, for me, for ourselves. Guilt and shame removal requires a steady, divine, loving, tender hand. I have to run toward my guilt, toward my shame, toward my pain, toward Christ with it, and then I'll find the healing that I desire, and so will you. So here's what it comes down to. Here's the questions I must ask as I leave here today. You must ask and answer. Who will I listen to and trust? Will I listen to that that set of thoughts that will flood my mind, that, that awful feeling that causes me to relive things that I wish never occurred and that you wish never occurred? Will I listen to that voice, if you want to call it a voice? Will I trust myself and my feelings? That's a choice. I could. I could just continue to trust myself and my feelings, and my feelings are trustworthy, but we know they're not. Or... I could trust others and their opinions. Like I said, there are people in our lives that they are going to brand us and they will never change their minds. We are guilty. We are broken. We are refuse to them. We, we, they'll never feel any different. And they'll remind us. They'll say we're just hypocrites. We're just phonies. We're just putting on this religious dance. And they'll do all kinds of things to mock us. Don't even bother to try to change their minds because if God doesn't change their mind, it's futile for you and I to try so I, I can believe myself and my feelings which will condemn me I can believe others and their opinions because there's others that will joyfully condemn you and maybe like I said they don't mean to but they've been wounded by us or I can believe God and his word and God says to me and he says to you your sins I will remember no more. That's right. What God has forgotten, I must choose to forget. And I may have to choose to forget it again and again and again. And I have done this. Now, here's what I've learned. When these dark thoughts and feelings, voices, whatever you want to call it, come, I feel the pain. I'll re-grieve things many times, but I refuse to let them debilitate me. I will, I'm just level with you. I, I, I'm such a broken human being. I've had to go through this in my mind. If I knew I was eternally condemned, as I was being tossed into the lake of fire, I would still be screaming to people, trust in Jesus. He's beautiful. He's worthy. He's good don't even consider anyone or anything but him I I am utterly devoted to him but I've had to work through this kind of stuff and maybe some of you are just as broken I don't know but I choose to trust what God says regardless of what my feelings are and I will not be silenced I will not stop serving him I will not stop serving you as long as there's breath in me as long as there's a heartbeat I'm going to trust what God says and he says your sins I will remember no more. Good. I'm learning. I'm growing. Do I have relapses? Yeah, yeah, I do. Can I control when it might happen? Not really. But maybe I'm 
getting a little better at it and so can all of us and for some of us you're better you're further along than me you'll be able to internalize this truth and you will refuse to let those thoughts and those feelings ever torment you again God bless you that's my desire for you I want some of you to walk out of here today heal and whole and never to feel this cycle again but some of you might be like me and you're going to have to fight this thing you're going to have to struggle with this thing you're going to have to stay humble you're going to have to stay teachable you're going to have to cling to Christ very closely and that's not such a bad thing I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop at this. Let, let, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, you... You know us. You know the secret pains of our hearts. You know how desperately we long to be the person you created us to be help us to silence the voices of our feelings the voices of others the voices that would paralyze cripple torment torture and silence us and be determined to hear your voice when we need to be talked down off the ledge or talked up out of the pit may it be your voice saying your sins I remember no more that we will embrace and live by may each of us have grace today to receive this gift deeply in our hearts and souls I ask it in Christ's name Amen